The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 88 for the week of October 15th. Alex, uh, winter is here. It's snowing. It, it sure was snowing, although not right now unless something just changed. Depends on when they're listening to this. That's true. <laughs> or where. Yeah. It definitely where, is still snowing if you're in the mountains. It where and snowy. It's, snow, it's, it's very snowy-ish. Uh, right now anyway the point is it's winter is coming yes winter is coming watch out for ice dragons Um, speaking of things we have uh, some housekeeping to do here number one we have a slack channel and alex this week we we surpassed 600 guests that is awesome um i can't believe how many people are in there it's it's great always a good discussion just about every day there's a a good discussion happening in the slack channel so check it out we also have a mailing list so if you go to colorado-security.com you can Go out and subscribe to get the show notes delivered into your inbox every week. That's all we do with it. Uh, unlike things like uh, Google Plus and Facebook, <laughs> we do not sell the API to our list to anybody. That's true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, please, please, if you like your show, subscribe to the show so that you get it automatically downloaded into your favorite podcast player. And then also, please rate us on the, the services where you subscribe. We would love to have a good rating on those services to help us uh, attract more listeners. Speaking of attracting more listeners, if you like us, we would love it if you would tell a friend to get them to to come uh, listen to us as well. If you're somebody at work who you think might be interested in, in hearing the news we do, um, tell them to come t- listen to us. And finally, if you really, really like us and you want to support the podcast monetarily, uh, we would love it if you joined our Patreon campaign Feel free to donate uh, at that campaign and help us cover the costs for the show. If you sign up at the $10 a month or greater level, you will get a shout out on this show and also a free t-shirt. And any amount of money you want to give would be fantastic. Uh, But speaking of Patreon, we actually have a new patron this week. uh, And thanks a lot, Dan Collender. Dan is the CISO over at Ball Aerospace and a friend of of ours in the show. Dan, we appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for for your uh, support. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it. So let's jump into the news. First, Denver is not getting a 5G network anytime soon. Do you want to know why, Rob? I would like to know why. Um, well, the reason why is uh, with 4G, the the wavelength, it was easy to put up a few cell towers and get good coverage. With 5G, um, you have to put up a whole bunch of smaller antennas to, to be able to get good coverage. So that takes a long time. Yes, thousands of antennas around town basically to make this happen. When I first read the headline, I thought there was going to be like a, like a big reason, like, you know, the city says, hell no, we won't go or whatever. But not, nothing right. like that. It's just going to take time. At this altitude, those wavelengths just don't work, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> um, so it also sounded like maybe there is uh, some some political uh, problems in there, you know, making sure you get the permits and that kind of thing with all of the little antennas everywhere. So but, we may not have 5G, but we do have a lot of venture capital here in Colorado. We sure Did do. you see that segue? That, wow, you are professional. Um, in Q3 2018, the, the venture capital projections for this year are on track to beat the 2015 record. So we are through three quarters. We've already raised about 1.3 billion in venture capital here in Colorado. Uh, the record back in 2015 was 3.36. So with another quarter to go, uh, we, you know, we should blow right past that. They also show the number of deals and it looks like the, the actual number of deals is pretty constant. 
So we're just talking about some bigger deals this year, which is a good thing also. Yeah, it, it's, it is interesting. I, I've seen this a lot in security where your A round used to be a few million dollars and your B round would be like 10 million and your your C might be 20 or 30. The numbers have just gotten you know, way bigger. Your A might be 10 million and you're seeing you know Bs at like 30 to 50 million. Yeah. And those Cs will be up in like you know over $100 million sometimes. Really big numbers. For sure. Um, and also, as part of this investment, there's been a lot of um, venture capital money going into fintech, yeah. which could make the Rocky Mountain region and Denver a hub for financial innovation. Yeah, and that was an even better segue. Thank, well done, Alex. Uh, so the next story is about how we do see fintech as being uh, really one of the specialties here in town. Obviously, over the years, telecom- telecommunications and oil and gas have been the, the main drivers in Colorado's industry. Security is obviously the number one today. Obviously. But, but they think of fintech as maybe being the, the future here in Colorado. Yeah, and there have been a couple stories we've talked about recently that are, are in that area. Uh, uh, KPMG is doing their innovation oh, yeah, their, hub. Acceler- their accelerator thing, yep. right? And yep. also Western Union is doing another yep. accelerator. The payment ones that they, they're doing with Techstars. Yeah, yep. some good stuff. Yeah, that sort of thing. So it seems like a lot of fintech stuff going on around town. Uh, and it looked like Boulder actually had more had more venture funding than Denver did. It was a little bit surprising. So Boulder's had a lot of venture funding around fintech specifically. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, next, uh, Angel MD, which is a startup from Seattle, is moving its headquarters from Seattle to Denver. It, it's speaking of financial tech uh, technology companies, this is a fintech platform uh, for medical startups. Uh, so interestingly enough, you know they got the message. Uh, yeah, they're and they're moving to to somewhere up. There's there's this uh, kind of communal building up there where a bunch of uh, startup health companies are working together. It sounded like uh, near Brighton Boulevard and in, in I seventy ish, yeah, sort of north end of right. Rhino. Speaking of Colorado companies, SendGrid has been ranked among the happiest co- companies in the country, according to Comparably. Yeah, so they uh, that list had two components. One was large companies and one was small companies. I think the 500 was the, the cutoff between the two of those. SendGrid being in the, the smaller side of that, they actually, for the overall rankings, were number two. But, and let me catch my breath here, <laughs> they were number one for... Best company happiness, as we said, best company perks and benefits, best company compensation, best CEOs for women, best CEOs for diversity, best company leadership, best company managers, and best company for professional development. That's a pretty good list. Well well done yes. to SendGrid. Uh, so this survey was done based on feedback from employees of the company. So this is coming from SendGrid's own employees. They seem to like where they work. Yeah, pretty cool. Congrats to them. Good for those guys. Uh, Webroot this week released a, a story about... Um, it's really a, a mid-year update to their threat report. Um, but in this update, uh, crypto mining has dethroned ransomware as the top threat. So all I have to say is thank goodness for crypto mining because now I don't have to worry about ransomware anymore. That's exactly how it works. Yes, because th- th- this new threat totally eliminated the old one. Exactly. Yeah. Woo. Uh, they, they do. There was a, quite a few interesting things in this report. Uh, just, I recommend taking a look at the press release that we have in the show notes to see it. Um, some stuff that's obvious, what we just mentioned about the shift from ransomware to crypto mining. Uh, and of course, a lot of this is happening from crypto jacking, where you have folks who are, um, you know, kind of taking over your browser when you go to a website. But some some stuff you might not have expected was around Windows 10 adoption. It said about uh, 75% of consumers are on Windows 10, uh, only 40% of businesses. Kind of interesting stat. There are also some ones that you would expect, like ransomware attacks, um, exploit unsecured RDP to find the most vulnerable systems. Right. We've talked about that several times in the past, right? Yeah. 
uh, phishing attempts skyrocketing. And what what it was another interesting fact on here is that Dropbox is now the primary target for phishing attacks. Interesting. Dropbox over you know Gmail or, or Microsoft. And that's <laughs> surprising to me. That that is a little surprising to me. I still tend to see um, websites uh, being spun up random places that are you know sort of phishing kits and things like that. So anyway, but that's uh, some good information there. Uh, next, we had a, a blog from Ping Identity. Three common but risky authentica- authentication practices to avoid. Uh, yeah, so the first one I think we're, we're all in agreement on is, is password-only authentication. You know, obviously at this point, ca- password reuse and and the the uh, prevalence of data breaches out there, it's just so easy to, to compromise a password. And phishing yeah. attacks is another way we do it, right? Uh, the second second one I think, you know, we mostly agree with, right? They, he talks about using yep. SMS and email for your second factor for your MFA. Um, you know, we know that there's vulnerabilities with SMS and of course, you know, I hardly even think of email as a second factor, to be honest. You know, right. if I got your password, I probably got your email too. Right. Um, and there's, so there's risk. Of course, either of these is still better than nothing for a second factor. Yeah. Going back to the first one, right? You don't want to be password only. Right. If your only option is SMS or email sort of second factor, yes, still probably a good thing, even though not the best thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one, I think we, we both are kind of looking at a sconce, which is, um, you know, password vaulting. And they're, they're really the article's talking about there's quite a bit of risk with password vaulting and having all your passwords in one place. Yeah, and I I think in a perfect world, um, password vaulting should never happen because you shouldn't need uh, to remember the password. There should be other ways to do it, whether it's, um, you know, some biometric or some something, you know, MFA, things like that. Uh, but we are not in a perfect world and there are people with many different passwords and they need to remember them. And I would much rather them have them in a password vault um, than, you know, all the same password or um, kept on an Excel file in their email or, right. you know, whatever. That A secure password vault is going to be better than many options in today's world. And, and I can speak a little bit from the perspective of the author, as as I know, you know, Ping's perspective is is it, you'd much rather see federation where you have a single sign on, which is, you know, which you have one password you remember that gets you into everything. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we just don't live in this world where federation works everywhere. You know, we, we don't, we can't get single sign on into those random places where it, frankly, it just costs more effort to set it up than it, it saves in time and risk right. to, to have it there. So or cost. Yeah. So, and I think the point here is, you know, the name of the ar- headline of the article is risky behaviors and authentication. Yeah. There's risk to password vaults. It's a risk that you should consider and you should decide, does it, is it right for you or is right. it not? I it, use a password vault. It is yeah. the risk of a password vault more than the risk of not using a password right. vault in, in certain cases. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, next, uh, Optiv had a blog this way, this week, three key ways to improve your incident response. Um, they were uh, plan, it's a good automate. Idea to, it's a good idea to plan for incidents. Automate is the second one. So automate getting breached. Exactly. Um, that, Automate just uh, open firewall rules automatically to let in uh, 3389 for RDP. Yeah, there you go. All you have to do is expose the RDP. Well, yeah. Automate that right away. Um, and the third is to orchestrate. So Alex, uh, put you on the spot here. What's the difference between automating and orchestrating in this context? Huh, you know, it's a good question, Rob. Uh, I sort of feel like orchestrating is like multiple automations. Okay. So, hey, I can automate one thing. Orchestrate is, you know, doing a whole bunch of those automated things together. But so, I'm not st- sure there's still that much difference between the two of them. So, so as we look at what they're saying, and of course they're right, you know, you have to plan for incident response. Make sure you have a plan. And of course, test that plan. I think that's a critical part of it. 
automate your response. So it's not just, hey, Alex has done this before. We know we can do it again, but Alex is going to go launch these scripts that are going to do these complex technical things more quickly for us. Right. Um, and then finally, the orchestration part, I guess, you know, making them work together versus kind of manually asking multiple scripts to go. Uh, that, that part I'm a little, a little yeah. fuzzy on. Yeah, but I mean, I think the bottom line here is put some effort into incident response. Yeah, that's, yeah. Fair, that's fair enough. Continually put effort into incident response. Uh, our next blog is from Red Canary, uh, and it's really them celebrating one year since the Atomic Red team launched. Uh, this has been something we've talked about on the show, I don't know, a dozen times. Um, and it's really been a cool thing that they're working on, giving back to the community and making it, you know, just as a summary, the idea is you, you come up with discrete ways, you know, atomic meaning, you know, broken down to the smallest component, discrete ways that you can test the individual parts of your security program. Yep. And we had Casey Smith on the show, uh, I don't know, six, eight months ago, talking about it. He's one of the, the creators of that framework. Uh, and the article is good. If you haven't gone back to look at the, the Red Team framework yet, um, this article is a good summary of the history and things that they have done and, and where they are today. So uh, sort of a good background. And the article does point out that they have some sweet swag now. And if you don't yes. have an Atomic Red Team shirt, number one, it's an awesome logo. Number two, they have these super high quality shirts. Yeah. Um, if you listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago with with Brian Bear talking around the the fire with Rob, yeah. uh, you, you know that they make quality swag. It's not, not just swear, junk. It's gear. It's not swag. It's gear. Gear. Right? He yes. looks at his gear. Yes. 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 Yeah. So anyway, uh, congratulations on a year for the Atomic Red Team. Good stuff, and keep it going. Finally, uh, Coalfire had a blog this week about what you need to know from the North American PCI community meetings. So there was obvious. Basically, this is like a, a meeting report what happened right. at that meeting um, some interesting stuff they talked about pci dss in the cloud and and really how do you navigate pci in this reduced um in this re reduced visibility that you have in the cloud and of course the cloud can mean many things if you're in an infrastructure as a service maybe you don't have reduced visibility but if you're in a SaaS platform you definitely do have reduced visibility right so you have to figure that out and how do you get assurance from vendors so that was one big topic there uh, the next one was the state of the pci standards security council um, so the interesting piece there, third women in PCI and cybersecurity talking about a little bit about diversity and how diverse teams are good. Uh, they were talking about how innovation is changing payments and security. Uh, obviously there are lots of changes coming. We already talked about the Western union innovation, uh, investment where they're trying to, to really accelerate payment changes. And, and this is going to impact PCI DSS. Um, I think it, yes, it'll impact it in the fact that you know maybe people will start using the stop using the, the card brands and do do it outside of them. So you right, know, who knows so. when How, PCI will go away, right? They're not a huge fan of that. Yeah, uh, and finally, uh, pro proliferation of point to point encryption, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. So interesting blog. If you guys have any interest in PCI, you might want to read this and probably reach out to Coalfire for any questions you have there. Yeah, that blog was written by Dan Fritchie over at Coalfire, who's a former colleague of mine. So good job, Dan. All right, Dan. Uh, so that is it for news. Moving over to the Slack message of the week. Uh, Slack message of the I week. Like it. Uh, Andre Gato, we appreciate you sponsoring this. Thanks so much for doing this. We would not get to have this segment of the show without you. Um, and of course, this every week when we recognize someone who posted either a good conversation starter or an insightful comment on the Slack channel, it's to drive more content there. So this week, the message of the week was by Eric Halverson. Congrats, Eric. So he started a conversation about the uh, the Bloomberg chip, um, you know, China hack that yeah. may or may not have happened. Um, and it may or may not have involved Apple and yeah. Amazon and, and anybody else. But his point was 
he was asking if this story actually hurts security and security awareness as opposed to help it. Yeah, and I think what his point is, you know, this story gets on the front page of CNN or wherever, and 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 it says basically, you know, China has infiltrated every part of our of our cyber systems, uh, and then. A, f- a few weeks later, people have to walk it back. Have we done harm to the importance of security in the long run? Right. Are people going to think, oh, all these security stories, they're just made yeah. up. This stuff isn't really happening kind yeah. of deal. My, my take, I actually kind of went the other way where I thought this conversation might, you know, it just brings more more light to the, the supply chain risk and the fact that even though it looks like this story is BS, it is possible, right? What they reported on is not, you know, some you know, unicorn, it, it's a possible thing that could happen. And we should be thinking about that kind of a risk. Yep, for sure. So uh, Eric, congratulations. You'll get to pick something from the Colorado Equal Security Store. And once again, thanks to Andre for sponsoring. So let's move over to our event calendar. Um, as you all know, or if you don't know, now you know, there's an event calendar on the website. So go check that out at colorado-security.com. Uh, we have a consolidated list of all of the security happenings for around town. Uh, we do have two events on here that are brand new and they're just coming up um, in the next day or so. So on the 16th of October, the Cloud Security Alliance Denver has their October chapter meeting. Um, and also on the 16th, the ISSA Colorado Springs chapter has a women in security special interest group. So if you want to get together uh, either in Denver for the cloud security or in the Springs at, for the women in security event, make sure you're, you're on top of the ball because it's just coming up here on the 16th. On the 17th, you got a little bit more time. CTA is doing their CTA 101. And that's that's a, over lunch. If you have even a little bit more time that evening, the uh, the Densec group is getting together at the Wincoop um, on the 17th. Nice. Uh, SecureSet is doing their cybersecurity career convos with Elaine Marino on the 18th. On the 19th is the Global Blockchain Summit in Golden. Nice. Uh, on the 23rd, the GDPR meetup is uh, is happening. Data privacy by design, securing your employees, customers, and service providers. So the 24th is one of these days where all of the stars have aligned and we just have this this massive number of meetings. First, the Ada Lovelace Day celebration is happening in Denver. This is a, a women in STEM meeting. Very cool stuff. If you want to learn about Ada Lovelace, this is your chance to, to do so. SecureSet is also doing a capture the flag on the 24th. Um, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing a mentorship program meeting. And the ISC Squared Pikes Peak chapter down in Colorado Springs is doing their October chapter meeting on the 24th. On the 25th, ISACA is doing their October meeting around internal audit innovation. And that's actually a joint meeting with the IIA. Nice. Uh, On the 26th, Colorado Springs Cybersecurity is doing their Cybersecurity for Small Business Summit. And finally, on the 27th, Colorado Springs ISSA is doing their mini seminar. That's that 8 o'clock to noon Saturday morning event. Good way to go to learn and get some free CPEs if you need it. So lots of events coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's move over to jobs. First, we have the cloud security architect job with Ping. That's working with me over there. I'd love to hear from you. If you are an AWS security guru, uh, send me a note. Spry Squared is looking for a vice president of information security. The American Cybersecurity Management Company is looking to hire a CISO. And, and this CISO position is actually, it's not uh, doing CISO work for inside the company. It's helping their customers. So this is a consulting firm uh, looking to have folks who will do a kind of CISO as a service for customers of theirs. Yeah, it also looked like they were hiring a few other positions, including a, a DPO. So if yeah. you are uh, into privacy and want to be a privacy officer, you could uh, work there as well. Uh, CenturyLink is looking for a senior information security engineer. 
Overwatch ID is hiring a security engineer. Alex, do you know anything about this? What is this person working for internal to Overwatch ID or helping customers? Or what? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, there is some customer facing work there. Okay. Um, MedKeeper is hiring an information security engineer. EverCommerce is hiring a security engineer. Lots of security engineers this week. Uh, the U.S. Department of the Interior is hiring an IT specialist in InfoSec. The state of Colorado is hiring a data privacy and security trainer for in information management ser services. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, so it looks like you get to develop in, and do the program for training at the state. That's awesome. Cool. And then uh, another education opportunity, Sir Cadence is looking for a cybersecurity curriculum developer, and this is a remote opportunity. Fantastic. Well, that takes us to the end of the news. Next, we have our feature interview with Dr. Charles Lively. Uh, Charles is the head of the IT and security programs for CSU Global Campus. I sat oh, down nice. with him recently, talked about what's their IT program look like, and specifically, what does their security program look like, and where are they going in the future? Very good. Go Rams. Go Rams. All right, well, that's it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, Alex. Thanks, Rob. All right. Hi, this is Debbie Blythe. I'm the CISO for the state of Colorado. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado security professionals by Colorado security professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. Uh, this, today, this is Rob Reck sitting with Charles Lively. Charles, you are the program chair for CSU Global's um, IT and computer science degree uh, program. Is that right? That is Did I get that right. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about uh, specifically within that program, what you guys do for security, the, the the offerings you have there and what that program looks like, where you see it going, and I, I don't want to dive into that. But first, let's, I want to talk a little bit about your, your background and personally uh, what you've been up to. And, and you, you mentioned something really interesting that you've done. Uh, I'd love to know about your career in gymnastics. Talk to me about how did you get into gymnastics and, and where did that lead you? <laughs> okay. Um, interesting uh, little intro. So uh, I started off uh, gymnastics when I was about seven or eight. Yeah. Um, competed up to class two, which is kind of about um, two levels before Olympic level. Mm. Uh, competed up until high school, and once I got to high school, I started coaching and just working out rec recreationally. Um, every now and again, I'll still go and you know work out and do a little tumbling or whatnot. Um, so uh, I've been a part of my life for about twenty-five years. So when we talk about uh, just, you know, kind of a lot of us only see gymnastics in the Olympics, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you, uh, excuse my ignorance, there's a lot of things that I don't know, but we talk the, the different events that one might do, uh, you know, rings and parallel bars and what are they, the non-parallel bars? Uneven, uneven bars, right? Yeah. So uh, do you all those things or is it some subset of these things? Yeah, so women have four events, uh, which is, you mentioned vault, uneven bars, beam, and floor. Men have six events, which are floor exercise, ring, vault, rings, vault, uh, pommel, horse, um, as well as uh, steel rings and high bar. Okay. And so you do all six of those then? Yeah, I did all six. Um, now when I work out, I normally will just focus on, you know, keeping in shape, doing rings or a little bit of high bar and floor. So could you do that thing where you hold the two rings out to the side and like keep yourself flat yeah that's that's amazing <laughs> I, for those listening i have my arm straight to the side you know like the, so, so he's you're wearing a coat so i can't tell how ripped you are but you got to be pretty ripped to be able to do that uh, not really because i don't work out every day anymore but <laughs> all right well that's great i'd love to get the background so thanks for sharing that um, but now let's talk about your, the other stuff you've trained in right and, and technology and how did you get uh, an interest in technology and, and how is that 
Uh, start at the beginning. How did you get interest? Um, I've always been interested in technology. Um, I was the, the kid that you know asked for the chemistry set for mm. Christmas. Um, and so I think uh, I, I got my first computer when I was in uh, sixth or seventh grade, and I've been addicted to technology mm. since then. Uh, I got my, my bachelor's and master's and PhD in computer engineering. Uh, my bachelor's was from Mercer University, and my master's and PhD were from Texas A&M University. That's great. And um, throughout uh, uh, my college studies, I was a, a Gates Millennium Scholar, so hmm. um, that afforded me the opportunity to attend college without worrying about any finances oh. or anything. So what, is it, what did it take to qualify for that? Um, so actually when I was awarded it, I was an inaugural scholar. So mm -hmm. um, in 2000 when uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates um, Foundation started the program, it was, um, it was you know, a, a essay, you know, transcripts, recommendations, um, a, a real process. Uh, and I think it was, it took about, I didn't find out until maybe about two months before I was leaving to go to start my freshman year at Mercer University. Yeah. Um, and so, and, but it was a, a, a excellent um, uh, network of scholars, uh, afforded me the opportunity to not have to worry about my education financially for 10 years. They wow. paid for uh, masters and partway through my PhD, I, I guess I exhausted them. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you, you outspent Bill Gates' fortune? Is that what you're telling me? Not, like not quite that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to meet Bill or Melinda Gates as a part of that? No, no, I didn't. Yeah, um, okay. Maybe in the future, though. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. Pretty cool. They've done some pretty cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, so w when you did your master's and you did your, your PhD, I assume you had a, a big project, a thesis and dissertation. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what you studied for those? Sure. So for my research area was performance modeling and performance optimization on multi-core and distributed systems. So you would think about uh, supercomputing platforms that are normally at national labs. Hmm. Um, a Cray? Cray so, machine? Yep, yeah. Cray machines. Yeah. Um, I interned at two of our national labs here, Oak Ridge National Lab, as well as Lawrence Livermore National hmm. Lab in um, Livermore, California. Yeah. Um, and so in my research work, I focused on optimizing um, energy consumption and power, energy consumption, power consumption, and performance of applications. And normally they were simulation codes. So you would think about um, big weather simulation um, applications that require hundreds of thousands of processor, processors in order to complete the simulation in a timely manner. And so you have all of these different factors that come into play. Um, is the code structured efficiently? Mm. Um, uh, data requirements for it, um, requirements for the systems that it's being executed on. And so in my work, I, I analyzed all of those factors to determine an efficient way to reduce um, how fast the application would execute. Interesting. So you, you helped optimize how to use these supercomputers. Uh, is that your dissertation or thesis or, or both? We kind of build on itself? Um, for a master's, I started out just focusing on optimizing performance. Okay. And then as I um, progressed uh, to my PhD, uh, energy consumption and power consumption mm. became a big factor. Um, you know, with big data centers and supercomputing centers, um, you have to keep the 
it requires a lot of electricity to sure. keep everything going and then uh, keeping the systems cool so that they don't overheat and shorten the lifespan. So that was kind of the progression yeah. um, from just focusing on execution time or memory and uh, including how can we predict how to reduce the energy consumption of it. That's great. Did any, is anyone using the research you did? Um, so I had actually about six to eight publications. I do get a lot of uh, citations from other people that have built on my work as yeah. well. Um, my advisor, she did continue the research with some of her students as well at Texas A&M. So. So it looks like it looks like at least it's being referenced and, and yeah. improved upon. That's yeah. great. That's really cool. Good for you. Uh, so one other thing I see from your your LinkedIn is you're also the the chief technology officer for a company called Drofica. Can Drofica. You talk, Drofica. Excuse me. Yeah. Can you talk Dro about that? Yeah. So we are Drofica is a uh, decentralized uh, data center. So we're working on building a uh, new computing network. Um, a fog computing platform essentially. Mm. So it's taking the cloud to the next level yeah. um, in that we have to take into consideration various factors, um, the virtualization of resources, efficiently managing distributed computing environments, as well as security. So those are some factors that we are considering. Um, is, are you guys time. still in yeah, in build phase for it right now or yeah, do you guys actually have still a... still in build okay. early startup phase. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, when, and when do you expect to, to have a, a product to go sell? Uh, hopefully within the next uh, six months to a year. Yeah, well, great. Uh, of course, and then let's get into what you're actually, what we're here to mostly talk about, which is your role leading the, uh, the IT and computer science program for CSU Global. Uh, so talk to me about, number one, how did you even get plugged in with this group? Well, um, I started teaching um, programming and software development as I was finishing my uh, PhD at Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. So I started at a small um, college, uh, Blinn College, hmm. and then I started teaching online um, and doing consulting. Uh, and I, I started, uh, I was, I saw an advertisement for just a adjunct faculty for CSU Global. And from there, the ball just kind of progressed. I was hired. I went from being an adjunct faculty to being a um, program coordinator for their computer science program, and then towards being a program chair for IT and computer science as yeah. well. Um, so I've been with CSU Global since uh, 2015. Yeah, and, and how, how have you seen the, the whole school and really, of course, the IT program change over the last few years? Oh yeah, it's been a lot of changes. Uh, specifically in IT, we've updated our our courses and our core requirements. Uh, we're looking at becoming ABET accredited, and so that required some. What's uh, so? What's the accreditation? It's ABET, which is the accreditation um, board for engineering and technology. Okay. Uh, it's considered one of the top accrediting bodies. And what does that what does that get for you as you get that accreditation? Um, it gets you basically uh, notoriety notoriety from uh, industry leaders and. Uh, most of the top technology and engineering schools, you want when you think of Georgia Tech, um, MIT, um, those are all ABET accredited programs. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, for any IT program, it's considered a, a gold standard, IT yeah. and engineering sure. and computer science. And what kind of work is it 
going to take you guys to get that accreditation? Uh, just uh, we're, we're making sure we meet those requirements. Um, they have specific requirements for science and technology. Like, um, like the content of the courses or the, the, the certifications of the instructors or what, what is it that uh, it's makes a, up for a, it? a combination of both. Okay. The, the content of the courses as well as credentials of yeah. our faculty yeah. need to be in alignment with that. Okay. And time frame on when you guys might be able to achieve that? Well, it is a, it's a long process. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, obtaining ABET accreditation could be 18 to 24 months. So. Well, it's not too long. I mean, yeah, couple, two that's, years, that's yeah, achievable, so. right? And yeah. are you getting started now or are you already into that We're process? We're starting, um, starting the process now. Okay. So the next couple of years, uh, getting a, a major accredita accreditation will hopefully draw in more, um, more students, I assume, and, and also have help them have better outcomes, right? finding better jobs and, and, uh, and make it easier for them to, to turn this uh, education into something for their careers. Is that really the goal here? Right. Yeah, awesome. I should have asked one other question before we got into the details here. Maybe you could uh, make, help with the, any confusion around what is CSU Global? Uh, what, do you, what is the difference between CSU Global and CSU or, or any okay. other schools? Well, CSU Global, you can consider it as a kind of a, a sister campus to CSU. We're the uh, online um, campus. Uh, we only offer online programs, and our programs and degree, degrees are completely different and accredited differently from CSU. So yeah. we're uh, online nonprofit state, um, Colorado State System School. But it's still you know, lower tuition for Colorado residents. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a part of the CSU um, program system. system, right? Yes. Even though it's not actually a, a physical campus. Right. We're, okay. we're kind of just a sister campus. So I know uh, CSU's president, Tony Frank, recently just stepped down. Was he your guys' president as well? Is there an impact to his stepping down for you guys? No, he was not our president. Okay. Um, yeah. So you guys still that, around? Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, all right, so let's dive back into your program a little bit. You know, obviously, I'm especially interested in hearing about what you guys are doing around around security, cybersecurity within your program. Talk to me about what kind of offerings you guys have there. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so for our programs, for we have a, a bachelor's in information technology as well as a master's in information technology management. Mm -hmm. In each of the programs, we offer uh, cybersecurity certificates as well as a specialization. Okay. And so our cybersecurity certificate for our bachelor's degree is a six-course sequence focusing on networking, um, security, ethical hacking, and digital forensics. And also, and that's, so that's a six-course uh, sequence. And it's um, aligned with uh, seven of the eight uh, CISSP domains. Okay. Um, and what we do with the courses to ensure that they stay up to date is every year we have a, a program, or every two years or 18 months, we have a program review. And those courses, they get reviewed and updated to make sure that they're in accordance with the latest um, guidelines and standards. Yeah. So would you mind telling me what the six classes are? I know you mentioned the topics, but what are the six courses? Yeah, so we have um, introduction to uh, networking is one of them, um, uh, computer security, uh, digital forensics, um, ethical hacking, and there is one more. That's, okay. Um, uh, sorry to put you on the spot with, with those. Um, and you mentioned that there's a certification and specialization. Is that hand, is that the same thing, or are there two different 
it, well, it's the, a different the specialization is a, a five course sequence. Okay. Um, a certification is basically um, eligible for, for financial aid. Mm. Um, so if a student wants to attend uh, CSU Global but not seek a degree, they can do our certification yeah. and still it can be used, um, financial aid can be used to fund that. Yeah. Uh, but a, a specialization, most students will take that if they, they're already enrolled as a, a degree-seeking student. So is a certification instead of a bachelor degree or it's in addition to? Uh, it can go either way. Okay. So if someone does not have their bachelor's and they just want to do a certification. They could just do that. Yeah, and a lot of times what we see is that students will start it with a certification and then decide, okay, let's add the rest on. of the courses. And those courses it. transfer over into yeah. our degree program. So those those six courses you're talking about, is that was that on the bachelor side or is that on the master side? Or is it are they the uh, same classes? So the, the bachelor's is six courses, a master's certification is four courses. And is that the same types of courses? Same it stuff? It is the or? same type of courses, but it, since it's master level, is it's at a higher cognitive level. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what do you expect someone who comes out, let's let's say at the at the bachelor level first, someone who comes out with that um, with that certification or specialization, either way I guess, uh, what, do you, what do you expect them to be able to do? And I'm thinking about for employers or for potential students who might want to do this, what would you hope that they're, they're ready to do at that point? Well, at that point, we're hoping that they'll have the, the necessary knowledge to um, walk into a position as an information security analyst or cybersecurity specialist. Um, and hold their own by contributing and helping to resolve issues, identify appropriate best practices. Yeah. They might not have the, um, the work experience of someone that maybe finishes with a master's, but it'll establish them with a good foundation. Yeah, okay. And, and the folks who would go into that bachelor's program, are they generally, you know, just kind of your typical incoming to any college, you know, maybe right out of high school, maybe someone, you know, a little bit later in life who's ready to go back and get a, a degree. Is that, is that basically no, no real requisites other than they, uh, they, they want to go learn? Um, most of our students are working adults. Um, I believe mm. the average age is about 34 to really? 36. Okay. That's starting to, we're seeing, seeing a shift in that. We're getting um, a lot of younger students as online education you know, online education originally started as being targeted towards uh, working adults, sure. um, but now it's kind of become the norm. So it's across all you know demographics essentially. Yeah. And so that is we're seeing some changes in our um, the demographics of our students and age coming down a little bit. Yeah. And recently um, we were just approved to start admitting students uh, straight out of high school as hmm. well. Previously we weren't allowed to. I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. interesting. So, you know, if we talk about the difference between those incoming to the bachelor degree versus those going to the master's program, is, is there a different demographics for that? Is there different ex expectations for those coming into it? How, how does that look? For coming into, well, with a master's degree, of course, they have to have a bachelor's degree. Yeah. Um, our master's degree is in, uh, in IT management, so okay. some students don't necessarily have an IT background. If we have any concerns with admissions, we might require them to take some, um, some of our core courses in IT. But um, typically, the, the, our master's degree is aimed at IT management, so it includes IT principles with more of a managerial role. 
um, and then cybersecurity is a certification um, and specialization that students can pursue it in that as well. Yeah. So the, the folks going into the master's program generally will have some you know, hands-on IT experience, it sounds like. And are, do, are you looking for people who are already in management or are those who want to move into management or is it really for both? For both, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then they get, they get out of that master's program and they have, let's say they have the IT specialization certification, uh, excuse me, the security uh, specialization certification as well. When they graduate, what are they ready to do? What's their job look like? So hopefully they'll have the, the capability to uh, contribute and lead uh, a security um, team within their organization. It depends on the, the kind of the trajectory that they want to go in. Mm -hmm. um, so our programs are more equipped with helping our students understand uh, security principles and policies and how can they be um, eff effectively applied within their organization. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you have any any success stories, folks who've come out of there, and, and that you could talk about? You know what they've gone to, gone on to do. Okay. Well, um, I don't have a kind of specific student-based example, but our data does show that once students um, graduate from our program, they end up uh, getting a return of investment of four dollars for every dollar that they've spent on tuition. So it's definitely um, enabling them to live. Uh, a, a better life after yeah. graduating. That's great. Um, so let's kind of look at the future. Do you do you see a, a future where you guys have focused and actually have cybersecurity specific degree programs? Is that coming anytime soon? That is something that we have uh, talked about and kind of brainstormed. Uh, we have, we're, we're going through just so many um, positive changes at yeah. CSU Global with the growth and migration of um, our technologies so uh, eventually I do think that we're going to offer a, a full bachelor's degree in cybersecurity as well and, and probably expand upon the specialization offerings that we have as well yeah yeah it's, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for for diving in deeper um, on the programs you have so within you know forensics you know it sounds like there's one or two courses that get into that but you know that could be a whole whole specialization or really a whole uh, degree path for for those right. who are really interested in doing it. Um, do you guys have you guys seen growth in that interest in security? You know, from I assume when, when did you start offering the specialization certifications? Is that the specialization the specialization um, has been around for at least four years, and it's actually it's one of our our largest uh, hmm. specialization offerings with um, about three hundred and fifty of our sixteen hundred students. Hmm. So choose that um, specialization. That's so great. It, it's one of our, yeah. our biggest. So that, so it might be a place that you guys want to invest and then get get more offerings. Hopefully Definitely. in the future. For those of us listening, you know, you know, I'm I'm hiring folks on a regular basis, and I know a lot of my other listeners are in a similar boat where they're they're trying to find more talent, and we're having a hard time keeping up. Is there anything we can do to help, you know, you guys, you know, deliver that high quality education that will make these people employable for us after they graduate? Oh, definitely. Um, we regularly solicit um, feed, industry feedback, um, perhaps uh, being able to serve on our programmatic advisory board. Um, we also offer um, cybersecurity events. We have an event um, at the end of the month um, that we would, it would be great if um, anyone would be able to attend that. Um, so there's, there's ample opportunity. Um, uh, 
you can look at our degree programs at csuglobal.edu forward slash technology and reach out to uh, myself or our, our marketing, uh, pro marketing uh, program manager, Andrew Dixon, as well. Um, we regularly uh, seek and solicit feedback from uh, industry um, leaders to help guide us in our curriculum yeah. changes and development. Yeah. So, so for those who want to reach out, and, and it sounds like maybe showing up at your event might be a good first chance for folks to get plugged in, right? Right. Um, that sounds good. Now, what about you know if folks just want to start to get connected with your students as they're graduating? Do you guys have career fairs that are? Uh, is there a career fair that could be focused on security for your students to show up at? Well, that would be a great idea, and actually, we could work with um, our career services department to try and try to establish um, a cybersecurity focus uh, yeah. career matching. Yeah. I, I can tell you, there is just such a, a need for security talent in the area. If you could bring in folks who have, you know, some experience and some relevant knowledge, they'd have no heart, no problem finding a, a job somewhere yeah. in the Denver area. Right. And the Springs, of course, as well, is, is hiring a, a ton. Yeah. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, you know, for those who are, you know, on the fence about, you know, whether they want to go back and get more education, I, I know a lot of folks in security have, you know, learned their skills on their own and, you know, could do a good job without having any education. What would you tell them, get them to get them to, to kind of take the step of applying and, and going through a program? What's the value to them? There, there definitely um, is value in being able to learn on your own. But uh, getting the necessary skills, whether it be through a certificate or a micro badge from an institution that is able to offer a structured curriculum and guidelines, it, it kind of uh, gives you that stamp of approval from, mm -hmm. from uh, for other prospective employers and organizations that you, your knowledge is validated, essentially. Yeah. Um, and when you go on the interview, the, the degree or your resume will get you in the door, but the skill set that you have is what will get you the job. And hopefully um, for someone attending CSU Global, they'll have that complete package. Yeah, that's great. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.